We are continuing in our series, Unknown. Uh, These are stories about real people, just like you and me. These people seem overlooked uh, and misunderstood, but every single one of them played an important part in God's plan. As Dr. Jake uh, mentioned at the start of our series, God calls us to live beyond ourselves and find purpose outside our individual lives to see the bigger story unfolding around all of us, the story of the God who made himself known to us through Jesus, who died and rose again to save us and make us one with God. So today we are going to go into John chapter 9, and we're going to hear the story of the man who was born blind, or the blind beggar, right? The story is told through his eyes, you know, the one who comes to us in this narrative, unable to see. This is fun. Okay, join me, John chapter 9. As he passed by, he, in this case, is Jesus. So as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So what the disciples are asking is a common sentiment at that time that a physical malady was God's judgment on someone's sin, okay? So this question might seem odd to us. It was not odd to Jesus back then. If there was suffering, it was connected to sin. So Jesus, whose fault is this? Jesus answers with utter clarity, verse 3. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now to the disciples, again, it's either option A, the man sinned, Or option B, the parents sinned. To Jesus, it was never either of these options, right? Y'all are picking between darkness and darkness. These are the options that you have apart from me. I am the light of the world, and I'm here to help you see. So the blind man, largely unknown to everybody who constantly saw him but didn't really regard him, he is finally seen and known by Jesus. And then get this, in this story, Jesus initiates the miracle, right? The guy didn't call out. Jesus was walking with the disciples and says, hey, look at this guy. Jesus sees him, he recognizes him, and he initiates the miracle. Verse five, I'm sorry, Verse six, having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. And then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud. And he said to him, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And so he went and he washed and he came back seeing. So above me is the pool of Siloam. Now for centuries, it actually was believed that the pool of Siloam uh, was connected to something called Hezekiah's tunnel, 
But in 2004, uh, in the city, they were doing some plumbing work. And so they had to lay a new line of plumbing and they discovered, oh no, what are these? These are ancient steps. And so then they kept digging and they found out, oh no, this is actually probably the pool of Siloam. So the second photo is when it's filled and looks beautiful, but um, all of that land is covering the other side of the pool. So they found it. You can go visit it. It's amazing looking. I want to go. Anybody want to take me? Okay, so after leaving the pool, just, just notice, notice the timing. After leaving the pool, the man can see. He's no longer blind, right? So I'm now going to refer to him as the artist formerly known as the blind beggar. I'm not trying to add drama to this story. Note, this man has never seen Jesus, right? Jesus calls him, he puts mud on his eyes, and then he sends him away. He's still never seen Jesus. So when the healing happens at the pool of Siloam as he washes, he's not in Jesus' presence. What is known is that he was blind, and now he can see. And then he keeps telling his story. A lot. A lot, a lot, right? Neighbors, friends, family, anybody who interacted with him as he was that beggar sitting blind. In that time, when, when somebody had a miracle of, of this magnitude, uh, they were required to go and show themselves at the temple. So his friends grabbed him to take him to the religious leaders. We pick up in verse 13. They brought the Pharisees, the man who had formerly been blind. See, even John calls him the artist, formerly known as the blind man. Uh, Now it was Sabbath when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him, man formerly blind, how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on, his, on my eyes, I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was division among them. All right, now it's important to understand why. Why was there this division among the Pharisees? They are steeped in Scripture. So all of them have in mind Exodus chapter 4, verse 11, Psalm 146, verse 8, and it tells us that only God can help the blind see. And then also they're going to pull up some messianic passages from the book of Isaiah, verses 29, uh, chapter 29, 18, 35, verse 5, 42, verse 7. In these, it says that the curing of blindness was a miracle limited to the promised Messiah. So, in front of them, they have a story. There's one guy who's not following the religious code as they understood it for the Sabbath, but also he's healing blind people, and that really hasn't been done, and it's limited to God or the Messiah. 
So there, it's, it's a sticky wicket. Jump with me, verse 17. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since, you know, he's opened your eyes. He said, he's a prophet. Okay, so there's a change now in the artist formerly known as the blind beggar. Jesus is no longer just a man, not just the man who healed him, but he is a prophet who is personally connected to God somehow. The man reflects on Jesus and his reflection changes his perception. So now Jesus is a prophet somehow, somehow connected to God. Now, in verses 18 through 23, the Pharisees bring in the guy's parents. Again, why? Because the Pharisees don't believe this man's story. He said he was born blind. How are we going to prove that? Let's bring in the parents. So they bring in the parents and they question him. The parents, they say, look, we're going to stick to the facts and nothing further. Our son was blind from birth. He can now see. And please direct all further inquiries to our son, who is old enough to answer these questions, because we are not sticking our necks out to solve your problem. And so the parents, see, at this time, they had a lot on the line. The Pharisees had said, anybody who claims that Jesus is the Messiah will be kicked out. They are kicked out of the temple. So that is the center for all culture for all spirituality. This is where the community gathered and really was the community. So if the parents went forward and said, He's, Jesus is the Messiah, even in retelling what has happened to their child, they're out. They were more concerned with what other felt, others felt about them. And so they said, please let us step out of the spotlight. I would, but then I'd hit Colby's piano, so... Uh, verse 24. And so for the second time, the Pharisees called the man who had been blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Uh, So give glory to God. We know he's a sinner. Uh, That's code for cough it up and tell us the real truth, right? This is bullying 101. They want him to say, you've been hiding something We need to know why you're lying so that we can continue to disbelieve you and continue to discredit Jesus. So, come on. We know you're lying. Let's go. Tell the truth. Verse 25. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see No matter how hard they push and prod, he isn't going to budge. He cannot be argued away from the very simple fact that has now changed his entire life. All I have ever known is blindness. And now I see you, I see you, I see you. He can't be argued after or off of that fact. It's now his life-altering reality. Verse 26, they said to him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, 
Okay, I've already told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? So he's gone from knowing nothing about him to calling him a prophet to now wanting to become his disciple. This statement to the Pharisees, it's a mic drop moment, right? He's kind of leaning in. Oh, really, guys? You want to hear it again? Do you want to be disciples too? Verse 28, they reviled him, saying, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And the man answered, by the way, the boldness on this guy is incredible. Standing alone, surrounded by all of the religious elite, the people who are in charge of the community, and he's taking it to him. The man answered, why, why, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And they answered him, you were born in utter sin and would teach us. And then they kicked him out. So he's gutsy and that gets him the boot. Everything that his parents were worried and afraid of now happens to him. Verse 35. And, they, and Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Well, who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Remember what we said at the beginning. The artist formerly known as the blind beggar has never, ever laid eyes on Jesus. He still doesn't know who he is. All he knows is that he can now see and he wants to be his disciple. Verse 37, Jesus said to him, you've seen him and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Oftentimes when Jesus does the healing thing, it's not always immediately followed by worship. The artist formerly known as the blind beggar goes down and says, I believe in you. I will worship you because you are God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus said, Verse 39, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see, you might be able to say those who see, air quotes, those who see may become blind. And some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. You have the ability to see. The fact that you claim that you're not blind means that you have responsibility to take action with what I'm doing. 
guilt stays on you. See, this story plays with a lot of the ideas of the, the unknown and the known, blindness and seeing, darkness and light. But Jesus and John, the author, he takes all of these things and he turns them on their head. He turns them on their head. The people who were supposed to see, to know all the right religious things, are absolutely missing it. They're missing it. The ones who perceive themselves to be in the light are stuck in the darkness. Nothing that we can do or say is going to get us out of the darkness either. Now, the man uh, who has only known darkness, he's unknown in any real sense to the people that passed by day in, day out. He was regarded as somebody. Again, remember, take, take in mind what the disciples thought. This man was regarded as somebody so sinful that now he cannot see for his entire life. So people would avoid him. They're going to stay away. That dude's so screwed up, now he can't see. Stay away from him. Instead, he's healed by Jesus and given an entirely new vision for his life. It isn't, it wasn't ever about knowing facts about Jesus. It wasn't ever about knowing who healed him. Oh, I know it was Jesus. Cool. It's all the info I need. No, he says the best, proper, and correct response for me is to become a disciple and give my all to the man who changed my life. Jesus tells us in this passage that he is the light of the world. He is more than a popular preacher or a power worker. In healing the blind man, Jesus takes away a man's darkness and gives him light. Jesus takes away a man's darkness and gives him light. Jesus is the light of the world. He is the Son of Man, the promised Messiah, the great I Am. This is Jesus who did this miracle. God's story breaks into our story and makes all things new. The darkness is actually the imposter. The real physician is to restore things to the way they ought to be, the way they were always meant to be. When we see stories like this from Jesus, when Jesus steps in and does these miracles, oftentimes they're so surprising to us because we don't expect them, because we've come to expect that darkness, those maladies, the suffering, and Jesus is saying, this is not the way things are supposed to be. I am going to step in and I am going to make things right, whole, proper, good. Because this is what Jesus does. He is in the business of making all things new, including you. So where are you in this story? Where did you see yourself? Are you like the Pharisees, these religious elite who are content to judge Jesus through their 
preconceived notions of who he is or who he was supposed to be for them. Like, like the darkness and brokenness that you see in this world are only going to go away when everybody around you acts and does what you think they should do. So if, if you judge, if you judge, the action step is to ask forgiveness from someone that you've unfairly judged or tried to control. Ask forgiveness from someone that you have unfairly judged or tried to control. Are you like the man's parents? Have you kept Jesus and the implications from following him at arm's length? Are you content to accept the facts about Jesus, but nothing further? Jesus, great teacher, cool guy, end of story. If you live in fear of others, what it might mean for you, if you actually leaned into everything for him, Find an area of your life that you've held back from Jesus and surrender it to him. Don't hold him at arm's length. Find an area of your life that you have held him back from and surrender it to him. Lastly, the artist formerly known as the blind beggar has all the attributes I know that I want, right? He's humble. He's bold. He's fully committed to Jesus, are you? Jesus wants to give you a new lease on life. He wants to bless you with freedom. And so this is not like an accusation. This is an invitation type question. Are you blind? And do you want to see? Do you want to see? If you finally want to see, give your heart to him. Receive the gift of new sight and new life that Jesus offers by opening up your heart to him. John 8, uh, John 8, 12 says, I, Jesus is talking, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So receive the light and life of God by trusting in him. If this is you, if you would like to lean in, either committing to Jesus for the first time or coming back and saying, I have held way too much. I've walked around acting like receiving my sight from Jesus wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> the light of Christ is amazing and I want to follow him. If that is something that you would like to do, in a minute, Pastor Russell's going to come up and lead us through a response time. But Cindy Walker will be in the back over here. David Walker will be in the back over here. And they would love to talk with you about that. So how do you want to respond? Will you bow your heads with me? Lord, prepare our hearts to respond. Pastor Russell is going to lead us through this next time.